Wow, Proverbs 29, today's the 29th, 29, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Amen. Fear of man is a snare. Last week we talked about uh, forgotten moral strength, the, the topic of honor, and we, we, uh, we decided that it's a big mistake to treat people as common and ordinary, and that uh, respect is earned, but honor is given. You can give honor. You should give honor. In fact, Romans 12 says to us that we should try and outdo one another in showing honor. Today, I want to talk about another virtue that's almost totally forgotten in our society. We we mentioned that that that's gratitude. There's a consultant in Boston who has been working, um, studying the, the workplace and the emerging generation who are now entering the workplace. So this consultant has been doing these studies and doing surveys and interviews. And um, they, they have been interviewing people who are receiving new people into the workplace from colleges and asking them to describe what, uh, what kind of, you know, what, describe in one word the people that are coming into the workplace. And there has been one word that keeps coming up over and over predominantly, and it begins with the letter E. The letter E, one word describes them. And so um, the, uh, um, the, the surveyor also talked to a lot of young people entering the workforce and said, your generation is being described by a word that begins with the letter E. What do you think it is? And the answers have been coming back, things like, oh, energetic or excellent or um, exceptional, which is all true, I'm certain. But that's not the word. Can you think of what that word might be? <laughs> Listen to you. Thank you, Lord, for this day in church. In Jesus' name, we're done. Go home. <laughs> Entitled, yes. Yes. Entitled. The, the, the generation that, uh, that I'm talking about is called the millennials, or Generation Y. You know, every generation now has their, their name. I'm a baby boomer generation, I suppose. And um, they're called, actually, one of their titles is, uh, is the Entitled uh, Generation. They, because there's a, there's, there is an uh, image that they feel that uh, everybody owes them or that they deserve things. Now, um, I, I'm not going to just pick on them the whole time, so if you're in that generation, please just hold on. It'll, you, you, you'll have your moment too, so it'll really be okay. The older generation might look at them and go, yeah, yeah, what's that all about? Well, um, you have to ask yourself the question, how did they get that way? And that's where we get to get involved. Um, how did we do that? There's lots of ways. The baby boomer did this um, in part. Um, the typical average baby boomer growing up, they uh, worked way too much, way, way too much, and uh, some of them, many of them ended up divorced, and uh, they had money, but they didn't have the commodity of time and relationship the way they wanted it, and so they looked at how could they make it up to their kids, and uh, a lot of ways, the way, the way they made it up to their kids was they failed to say no in a lot of ways, to their children. Um, and, and over time, the generation saw that, and they pretty, pretty soon just assumed, hey, if we want it, we can have it, because they're going to give it to us. They're going to make it available to us. We also really protected this latest generation, has been way more protected than any generation in, 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 um, in history. I mean, I've, I think about when I was a kid, and I'm not going to go, you know, oh, when I was a kid, I'm not going to go that way on you, but I'm going to give you some references. When I grew up, it was a common thing for a bunch of kids to, to pile up in the back of a pickup truck and go somewhere. Remember that, riding around in pickup trucks? <laughs> yeah. In fact, this came up at my house last week. Um, we, um, we were going somewhere, and I've got a little pickup truck with smaller back seats, and Lisa and I were going somewhere, and we had our two poodles with us. 
who <laughs> do not laugh at my poodles. <laughs> you got to be a stud to stand up here and admit you have poodles, okay? <laughs> okay, so, so these two poodles, which we protect by strapping them in, we have, you know... <laughs> It, cl- it, it, it cl- <laughs> I feel like I have to explain this. Now. It clips into the seat belt and it clips under their collar and it keeps them from hurtling over the seat at you. So it's really a good thing. Anyway, so they're in the back seat, but we had to pick another human being up. So I bumped one of the poodles into the back of the pickup truck. I got a ration over doing that. I mean, okay, we used to kids pile into the back of pickup trucks and uh, now things are different. Here's another thing. It used to be that to... To, to get a ribbon, you actually had to win something. You actually had to win before they would give you a ribbon. Now it's not quite so difficult. You know, if you show up, you get an award for having participated and having been there. And it's the same award as the guy that hit all the home run contests, I suppose. Um, but what that's done is helped build a generation um, that feels a little bit entitled. And it's not just them. It's me too. Okay? So I, um, I decided to enter this contest. This is a few years ago, in like 1983. Some of you remember those dates. I decided that I was going to enter a photo I took in uh, the Thurston County Fair. So, now don't laugh at this picture, okay? So put the picture up. (laughs) And I gave it a title. The title of this photograph is (laughs) Peekamoo. Okay, and you may laugh, okay? But I got a ribbon for this, this photograph. A third place ribbon. I think all the other pictures either got first place or grand prize, and somehow they had room for one third place person. But, but before you completely laugh and mock my, my photograph, notice the next slide. This was my uh, $3 award from the Thurston County um, Fair. So now you know that I'm not only a professional photographer, but I'm an award-winning professional photographer. <laughs> See, they give ribbons out for anything. Here's, here's an... <laughs> I haven't cashed that check yet because it's $3, you know. It's three nineteen eighty-three dollars too, which is a lot more than it is today. It's like $5 today. So um, here's, here's another one. I, uh, about a year or so ago, somebody who just, just ha- had an appreciation and um, I, you know, saw ministry money and so forth, they, they gave me a gift, pretty expensive gift. It was an iPad. You know what an iPad is? Just a really, really cool little machine. You know, a little tiny machine you can... It's like a computer. It talks to, talks to the pizza parlor through space rays and does all kinds of really cool... You can watch movies on there, your calendars, all these really cool things, okay? And so I've got this iPad, and I use it quite a lot, and I've gotten a little bit used to it. I don't have to be where there's an internet wireless. I can do it over the phone lines, and it's pretty cool. And I'm pretty used to, if I want something, I push the button and things happen, you know, and um, they happen right now. And I noticed one day recently, I was trying to download a website, and it took, probably took five or six seconds, and I was just starting to kind of get a slow burn. Come on! I want my web page, and I want it now! You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's me too. There's something of entitlement um, that's just happening. And the opposite of gratitude is a sense of entitlement. Everybody say Gratitude. Gratitude, good. Gratitude. Gratitude. The opposite of entitlement. There's lots of stories in the Word of God that will help us out with this. One is, is um, a story found in Luke 17. And I'll put the words up there and you can kind of follow along with me now. Um, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. 
And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, leprosy was one of the most painful physical diseases you could get. Um, it, it, it infected the nerve endings. And in fact, you could have things happening in your extremities that would normally be painful, and you wouldn't even necessarily be aware of it. I mean, there would be horror stories about people who would go to sleep at night, and then the next morning, you know, a rat had chewed off the end of a finger or something, and they hadn't known it because they had no sense of feeling. And not only was it physically painful, but it, had, um, it, had, uh, it was humiliating because Levitical law, Leviticus 13, basically said this. You're walking down the street, and you have leprosy. You see somebody coming. You cross over the other side of the street, Stay away from those people because it's contagious. And you yell, unclean, unclean, stay away from me, I'm unclean. Oh, that's horrible. But it even gets worse because this disease would isolate you from the uninfected. That means no physical contact. You'd never again hug your little kids. You'd never again embrace your wife or your husband. It just couldn't happen. No physical intimacy, no None of the things that you and I have to have in order to be healthy. Just isolation in all the worst ways. So these people are walking along and they see Jesus coming and they go, wow, there's a reputation involved here. This guy supposedly could heal. If we can get him to heal us, you know, hope will return. We, get, we can have our life back. Pretty big deal. Big deal. Verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go Show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went to show themselves to the priest, they were healed. The reason that they were going to show the, themselves to the priest was because Levitical law also said, if you were healed from leprosy, here's what you do. And you go to the priest. So, so as they went, they were healed. It's a miracle. An absolute miracle. Their dream. Their dream. What's your dream? A miracle happened. Amazing. What happened next was really surprising. One of them, verse 15, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, that would be the least likely person to come. There were some social, political stuff. There was some animosity between. And so the least likely guy would be the Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus had to be thinking, whoa, where are the other guys? What happened? You nine people were living a lifestyle you were struggling. You were suffering. You cried out to God. God sends me. Now you're healed. Got everything you could hope for. Where are, the, where are these other guys? What happened to them? Now, let's be fair about this. They probably weren't really, really bad guys. They were probably rushing to see their wife and their kids. I'm home, I'm home. Imagine the joy of those moments. But, I mean... Needless to say, and they may have even been thinking, you know, I was asking for healing, and I just got what I was asking for, and I didn't deserve leprosy in the first place, so this really should have happened. I should have been healed. This all makes perfect sense to me. And they just started to slip into the sense of entitlement and forgot to go and show gratitude. 
only one stop to thank God for his blessing. So my question to you is, will you be the one? Because the odds are pretty much stacked against you. Will you be the one that daily pauses, slows down, gives glory and honor to the one who gave you life? Will you be the one who stops and lifts up true heartfelt worship? I know we just did that for a few minutes, and it's good that we do that. But throughout your day, when you realize sometimes the things that the Lord is, will you just stop what you're doing and say, God, glory to your name. Doesn't have to be a demonstration. Doesn't have to be a display. Just needs to be sincere, heartfelt, lifting up. Will you be the one that does that? Will you be the one who gives praise and honor and glory to the one who, even though you were sinning and carrying on with life and running away from God, he sent his son to pay this horrible, awful Memorial Day price of love for you and me. Will you be the one, not just with God, but with other people, will you be the one that stops and writes a thank you note to somebody that just, they've impacted you? Or or will you be the one that, you know, I mentioned this last week, that stops in the nursery and says, hey, thanks for investing in my kids. Thanks for taking your time so I could go sit and, you know, listen to a wonderful, great sermon. And and that's when you laugh. That's okay to laugh at that one, okay? Will you be the one to say, hey, coach, Thanks. By the way, coaches, they, um, they get a ration sometimes from parents. Put my kid in the game more. My kid's better than that kid. Put him in. I mean, thank the coach. Thank the umpire. Oh, that's too far. That's going too far. I don't know. I don't know about thanking them. Will you be the one that stops and shows gratitude? Or will you be like most people today who maybe assume, I kind of had this coming. This is appropriate. They gave me what I was deserving. Because that could be an ungrateful mindset that's perpetuating. And you might say, well, I'm a grateful person. I'm, I'm, I'm generally pretty grateful. I mean, that's what I like to think. <laughs> but, but, you know, I have to examine my own life. I mean, standing up here and preaching is like, this is like, after all this these knot holes that the Lord slowly pulls me through as a son and as a man. I mean, I could tell you the kinds of things that the Lord has been confronting in my soul over the last few weeks that have to do with my lack of gratitude. The things that I feel like I deserve, the things that I feel like I should be able to, you know, because the other people, I mean, there, 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 um, there are so many ways that the Lord is showing me, you know, Terry, that's not really a heart of gratitude that you're demonstrating there. Jesus um, told another story. He told lots of great stories about a guy who had a couple of sons and um, they demonstrate two ungrateful mindsets that we're going to talk about today. The first ungrateful mindset says, I want it now. Everybody say, I want it now. <laughs> Listen to you. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I was in a drive through restaurant waiting for my McDonald's hamburger. And uh, I don't remember what I did that was a little different or out of the ordinary, but by the time I got up, you know, there was a long line. It was my turn. Oh, come on, come on, hurry up. Move, I'll move along, move along. This can't take that long. And I get up to the window and they say, you know what, we X, Y, fill in the blank, but could you pull over there and wait? We'll bring it out to you. This is supposed to be fast food. What do you mean? You know, what can you do? I mean, because there's cars behind you and they're nudging your car and they're bumping your car and you got to get out of the way. So you pull up there and you sit and just sitting there going, What's wrong with me? Why am I the one that had to get out of the line? How come I don't get mine at the window and I got to wait? And then, you know, then the word of the Lord starts to say something about, you know what? Somebody else in there is cooking your burger. 
with your extra pickles, <laughs> wrapping it up, and they're going to walk out and hand it to you through your window. A little gratitude here would be nice, Terry. Okay, Jesus, he's, he's talking about these, these two sons, Luke 15, story of the prodigal son. Uh, verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now, traditionally, you divvy up the estate after the person dies. But he says, no, I want it now. I want my life. I don't want your rules. I don't want to wait. I want what you have, and I want it now. <laughs> so the father, for whatever reasons, gives the, the stuff to his son, and his son runs out, and he squanders it. Women, wine, World of Warcraft, I don't know, whatever it was. I couldn't think of anything else to start with a W. He blows the money in a course of weeks or months. He blows all this money. This is, this is an estate that his father had spent his life, his years, decades, his lifetime, building up and amassing and accumulating this estate. He gives his son this wealth. And his son goes out and squanders it in a matter of weeks or months. I want it now. The upcoming generation that we talked about before, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that I want it now in the mindset that we have fostered, that our generation has fostered. I mean, I, um, I, I, it's not unusual. If you just take a good hard look, it's not unusual for us to look and see um, people who are in their 20s that want to live in a house of the same standard of living as their parents, only they're just in their 20s. This room goes silent. Or they want, um, you know, shame on that generation, but the point is, is that, you know, we put them there. We trained them that way. Um, they learned it from us. They, they learned, you know, they, they want the same kind of car as their parents have, or they want the same kind of vacations, you know, and we're talking about 25, 27, 28, and I'm not pointing at anybody. This is a generic statement, but it's generally true in our society. We are a very, very affluent society. So affluent, you know, what are we, the top 3, 4% of people regarding wealth in the world. What we view as um, normal is opulent rich to most of the world. And, um, you know, so, so we've, we've fostered this. And um, now I, I just want to just take a side moment here and point out there's a difference between expectancy, entitlement, and ambition. The difference is with ambition, you decide to aggressively pursue and earn something. Entitlement is, I want something. It's your responsibility to give it to me. You get the difference there. My grandfather's generation thought about things a little bit differently. My father's generation, I want to think this way, but um, they had this philosophy that, that just basically said that if you wanted something, you saved your money up, and then you buy it. <laughs> you know, it was, if you don't have the money, you don't buy it until you have the money. I mean, um, why not? Our, now today it's, hey, why not just charge it? What's, what's 29% interest between friends? <laughs> so they would take the time to do something, this concept that we would call wait. We would call that, uh, I don't know, sarcasm doesn't do well on me, does it? They would wait. Wait means that you don't get it right now. I know it's kind of crazy, but we've been conditioned and trained, and my generation did the training that if you want something, you deserve to get it right now. Now, if you are personally in debt today, 
it's worth taking a moment to examine whether this mindset has contributed to your situation at all. It may not be, but it could be. It could be that you're spending more than you have to get what you want. And it could be something that you might need to call an entitlement mindset. The second, uh, the second uh, um, category would be, second mindset would be, number two is, I deserve more. Everybody say, I deserve more. I can't believe you did it after the first time I tricked you. You do deserve more, I'm sure. So now we're on to the second son. Now the first son um, went away. He squandered all this money. He realized the things he had done wrong, the mistakes he had made. He was now destitute. All the resources was gone. And he's thinking, I'd do better if I went back home and was a slave. I'd eat better than the pigs that I'm feeding right now. I I should go home and do that. So he decides he's going to go home and beg for mercy from his father. But instead, he finds that his father is watching and waiting for him. He shows up. Dad's pretty happy. Puts on him the best clothes. Kills the cow. Puts on a big party, a big honking party. Meanwhile, his big brother is on the outside. Sees his younger brother, who's all messed up and wasted all this money. Sees all this fussing over him. And now he's out having a pity party. Big brother's having a pity party? Okay. He says, I've never broken the rules. I've worked hard. Where's my father giving, you know, why is he giving all this resource that's going to be mine to this loser? I'm paraphrasing, by the way. To this loser, I deserve better and more. I I deserve that and so much more. Luke 15, 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Someone owes me. I deserve better than this. I deserve more, Dad. Here's what you know, we might see kind of come up in life. I deserve a better paying job. And if I can't get the job I deserve, I'll just wait. I'll hold out for management <laughs> or something like that. Or I, you know, I deserve better benefits or I deserve better vacation. Is anybody here, would you like to uh, take on the task of telling any 16-year-old that they can't have a cell phone? Do you want to take that on? Okay, let's make it easier. How about a 14-year-old? 12, 10, 8. At what age are you willing to tell one? Or let's say, okay, you can have a cell phone, and then you hear, well, but my cell phone, I can't get the internet on my cell phone, Dad. I deserve more. Where'd they learn that? You know, they learned it from my generation. I'm entitled to this. I deserve more. I deserve this kind of vacation. If I can't afford it, I'll just charge it. I deserve this kind of house. I'm worth it, right? I deserve it, right? And it's an ungrateful mindset. It's one of the nine. So let's take a minute and see what God would say about these, um, any ungratefulness, ungratefulness that we can find within our hearts. So I want to talk about our ground zero of ingratitude, three different categories. And I'm, I'm just going to ask you to be really honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to um, humiliate yourself or do anything. But I'm going to ask you to be honest about these things because if the Lord will show you some areas in your heart that he just wants to nudge, you know, three degrees port rudder, he just wants to... M- adjust course here a little bit, it can make a profoundly positive difference in your life. Okay, so number one, maybe the Lord will expose any material or financial ungratefulness in your life. Okay, I'm dissatisfied because the TV I have is not good enough. I only got 720p and I need 1080i. (laughs) Takes one to know one, honey. Um, (laughs) 
okay, okay, let's get off the TV. You don't have the right kind of countertop in your house, you know. Or, or let's, how about this one? You know what, we, if we have another kid, our kids would have to share bedrooms. We can't ask a child to share a bedroom. They'd just be basically wrong to be able to do that. Or, or how about this, my closet. You come and look at my closet, and <clears throat> it's stuffed for two reasons. I got a lot of clothes that I never, ever, they haven't fitted me for 15 years, some of them. <laughs> And I never, ever get rid of any clothes. But here's my typical morning. I walk in there. I look there and I go, I don't have a thing to wear. (laughs) I don't have a thing to wear. What I'm really saying is, I don't like the clothes that I have. That's really what that phrase, okay, okay, my car is too old. It's, It's my car is five years old now. Or, you know, it doesn't have heated seats or... My iPod doesn't plug in, or I have to crank my windows. Or <laughs> If you hear your mind saying things like that, you might be materially and financially ungrateful. Check that off in your mind and say, okay, Lord, might be something you want to talk to me about there. Second category would be relational ungratefulness. Maybe you're a little bit tired of having your parents always intervene themselves in your life. Or um, maybe you wish your husband was better at fixing things up or um, you know, more spiritual or... He would make more money or your wife would be um, more fun or you know, she would spend more time with you than she does with her friends. Or maybe you're saying, I don't have a girlfriend or I don't have a boyfriend or you know, we don't have Christian friends. Okay, relational, if the Lord's speaking to you, something there. Or even circumstantial. Third category is circumstantial ungratefulness. I don't really like my job or I don't like my house or I don't like my hair or I wish I had hair. If you're ungrateful about your circumstances, make a mental note, mark it down for that, and then call it what it is, something that the Lord can get a hold of. Because I would like for us to intentionally cultivate an attitude of gratitude. An attitude of gratitude. How are we going to do that? We're going to turn our blessings into praise. We're going to turn them. We sang that song, um, every blessing you pour out, I'm turning back to praise. I need a drink. Thank you, Lord, for that water. I'm grateful. Every blessing you pour out, I'm turning back to praise. Why is that important? Because every blessing you have that you don't turn back to praise turns into pride. Turns right into pride. I deserve this. I earned this blessing. I, de- I just need this, these kinds of blessings to continue to be given to me because they're mine to be, to be, to be had. Wow. I, you know, I, I, think, I think about the scripture that says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in heaven above. James, James 1, 17. In fact, that'd be a good thing for us to turn to. I don't have that up. James um, 1, 17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, the one who cast the stars into the heavens. Every good and perfect gift that you can think of in your life, everyone you can't think of, that he views as he's given to you, have come, unto you, come to you from the Father of lights, the Father of the stars, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He gives you those gifts because he loves you, and his heart hasn't changed about that. It hasn't changed. Every good and perfect gift. I'm going to pause, and I'm going to give you thanks. I'm going to be grateful, Lord. I'm going to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Philippians 4.11 says, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. If I like my job, 
I'll be content. If I don't like my job, I'm going to find contentment. If I like my hair, I'm going to be content. If I don't like my hair, I'm still going to be content. My house, whatever the circumstances. I mean, and I, I'm like you. I know what it is to have need. I mean, we have need. Every person has that. But about contentment, I've also learned that there is a secret to having peace, and, and it is something that you learn. Contentment is a learned mindset. You train your mind, your heart, your attitude, and your spirit, and then you learn to choose contentment rather than trying to fix those things that are being asked of your soul by your checkbook or your credit card. And, you know, by nature, most of us are not grateful. We're just not. We're sinners. And, um, you know, you might look up here and go, but, but Terry, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be, by nature, grateful. No. No, um, I can think at times, you know, people mistake that. I'm just, just like you. I mean, we, <laughs> we were uh, on a trip and we had to get up early one morning and so Lisa set an alarm. And um, I think we were supposed to get up like at 7. And uh, we had been in a time zone shift, so that was a little bit earlier. But for some reason, I don't know what the computation is, but her alarm went off loud at 4 in the morning. <laughs> and I yelled, Turn off the alarm! Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you or anything. Turn off the alarm! Nothing, you know, no, no registering. Turn off the alarm! What? Turn off the alarm. So off goes the alarm. You know, a few hours go by, we wake up. She says, man, I don't wake up, waking up in the middle of the night and hear you yelling, praise the Lord! <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. That's, I'm just like the rest of you. I, by nature, I'm very dissatisfied. By nature, I'm a complainer. <laughs> but I've learned to train my mind. I've learned to find and to choose contentment. There's a couple of scriptures on that that I'm going to give you two different versions. Ecclesiastes 6, 9. The New King James Version says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Today's English Version says the same thing in a little clearer way. It says, it is useless. It's like chasing the wind. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to be always wanting something else. Better the blessings God put right here than grasping after the things that he's not placed in front of you. Um, Lisa and I have this memory. I wasn't there. It's a story she told me about a time that she was up at the mall. And um, this was when our kids were all little. And so three, she had her hands full. She just had her hands full. So she probably had a list of responsibilities that was long. And to bundle up three children that were, you know, three, five, seven, whatever they were, you know, might as well carry around lit fuses of dynamite. But anyway, so she's got them up at the mall, and she's ch- trying to keep the kids all in order and go and do her thing. And you know the mall. There's lots of people coming and going. There's lots of activity going on, and you're just, you know, it's hard. It's hard. And she looks up, and Joseph's gone. Joseph's our baby. He's gone. You look around and you start looking. And um, at first you're thinking, oh, he's just around a corner. I don't see him. But it doesn't take long that all of a sudden it goes from alertness to alarm. And all of the bad stuff that could be going on is going bang, 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 bang in your, in your mind. My son has been snatched. He's gone. What's going on? What will I do? All these things going on. And... All of a sudden, your life is different. Now, 
I don't know how long a time frame. It probably was milliseconds, but felt like years until Joseph popped out from inside the rounder, hiding in the middle of all the clothes. Sounds cute. I think she wanted to kill him. (laughs) Now that she's found him, everything's good, everything's grand, everything's back to normal, but there's nothing like a crisis to help us gain a right perspective about what's important. Proverbs 15 says, The cheerful heart has a continual feast, better with a little fear of the Lord than, with great, than great wealth with turmoil, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. So as we kind of wrap up here this morning, um, the next time you start thinking about, well, I'm kind of sick of my car, Instead, get a different perspective and say, I thank God that I have a car, that I'm in the top 3 to 5% of the wealthiest people in the world, that I have transportation. Or the next time you look around and your house seems to always continually be in a mess, you should say, man, God, I'm thankful that I've got family and friends. They come over here and my kids and there's activity and there's life and there's things going on and, and relationship. Or the next time you think, well, my house is too small, you know, this sounds kind of podunk, but, you know, Thankfully, you got a toilet and running water and electricity. Because <laughs> there's people camping right now somewhere within 50 miles of us in the rain wishing they had a toilet. <laughs> and a shower. Yeah, yeah. And they're out there on purpose. <laughs> or the next time you're thinking, I really don't like my job or the people I work with, you know, in a world where so many people today are searching for jobs, be grateful. I just say be grateful for your job. Or you look in the mirror and you go, you know, I just don't like this about my body. You know, <laughs> it's the time to say, God, I'm thankful that I'm alive. I might have some challenges physically, but I'm grateful. And God, you're good and you're faithful. Thank you for my friends. And not just for all these material things. I'm thankful today that while I deserved damnation I deserved eternal hell I did God loved me so much that he decided to make a way for Terry I'm grateful for that transforming me and I want to thank the Lord for all of the wonderful good blessings that are in my life let's pray Lord Help us turn every blessing we have, every blessing you pour out. Let us help us to turn those things into praise, Lord, never taking you for granted. Oh, God, just would you forgive us for the areas of our ungratefulness? We've chuckled a little bit today and talked about it, but God, in all seriousness, where our attitude is just on the wrong side of the line, it happens to all of us at times. Help nudge it, Lord, to the side that glorifies you. We recognize, Lord, that in spite of the fact that we can work hard and earn things, that even our giftedness and our capability to earn those things comes from you. Every, your word says, every good and perfect gift, every good gift comes from you, the Father of lights, including the stars, Lord. Help us to remain grateful, God, a grateful people, not turning those things into pride. Have mercy on us, Lord, when our attitude of entitlement seems to pop up at times. It's so hard. I just admit it, God. It's so hard when we look to our left and our right and we see so much plenty. We just want to participate in it. 
But Lord, we also know that you do love to give your children good gifts, but it's your choice. Help us never complain, God, when you've blessed us beyond the circumstances that we really never could have imagined. Church, while we're praying, I just encourage you to take a moment, be honest with yourself, transparent with God. Is there any ungratitude? Is there any area of your life, is it relational or circumstantial or monetary? Are there areas of broken gratitude that you just say to the Lord, God, um, I just tender that before you, Lord, and I offer my heart to become more tender to you. God, forgive us for those things, I pray. And I thank you, God, that you're so faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And